welcome in to the newest edition of the Just In Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson. And remember, you can find the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And don't forget to follow the Twitter and Instagram pages at Sports for breaking news, show updates, and things of that nature. And always remember that you can follow that page to contact me as well for if you want to come on as a guest or if you want to have an opinion talked about on the show, etc. Now, in this week's episode, we'll be talking about the NBA and what's going down there. We were talking about the NFL and what's happening with the Shield. We'll touch on the WNBA and the MLB, and then we will have our best for last. Now, I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome into the show. Um, I just I'm gonna jump right into this. What a difference a week makes. So I was just you know sitting down, getting ready to record, you know, getting ready to talk with you guys about this stuff, about what's going down in the world of sports, and I happened to sit right in front of my notes from last week, and the very first thing on my notes was Lakers pull ahead to one. If you would have told me that was the last game the Lakers are going to win during this season, I would have laughed you in the face. Update, you would have been right. The Los Angeles Lakers lose three three straight games on the back of strong Devin Booker and Chris Paul performances. Even Jay Crowder stepped up a little bit. Uh, DeAndre Aiden slowed down, but that was that means still the Lakers offense fell into the tank. Anthony Davis trained his groin. KCP had a quad injury. Uh, Alex Caruso ultimately missed the second half of last night's game due to injury. And the Phoenix Suns took advantage of it. They didn't allow a Los Angeles Lakers team already reeling, being in the seventh seed due to injury, to try and heal on the Suns, uh, make the Suns chicken little soup, make them a little medicine, and um, heal up. And so the Suns took advantage thanks to Chris Paul and Devin Booker, with Booker finishing off the Lakers last night with 47 points. For the Suns to advance to round two to play the winner of the Denver Nuggets and Portland Trailblazers, who we'll talk about in a little bit. But this leads me into, obviously, when that series ended, and obviously when you saw LeBron walking off the floor, what was your first thought? I know what my first thought was. Was that the last great chance he had? And so if you think about that, man, do I think LeBron James is going to miss the playoffs next year? No. Do I think he's going to lose in the first round ever again in his career? Probably not. But that was the first time in LeBron James' career, his season, since his rookie year, his season has ended prior to making it through the second round. Well, I mean, there was also the year he was injured with the Lakers. He didn't make the playoffs either. Um, But that was the first time since he's been in the playoffs that his season has not ended in at earliest the second round. And so walking off, I thought to myself, was that his last great best chance? The answer is no. It's no, because then the, the because then the thoughts after that were centered around, okay, how do how do the Lakers retool with limited assets? First of all, you trade Kyle Kuzma for anything anybody wants to give you. A second round pick will suffice because 
he's just he doesn't fit with LeBron a and he doesn't fit on a, on a championship level team he wants to be the man with not the man talent and not the man skill set and not the man mentality and so when you have that combination going on on a team already struggling with defensive principles and stuff like that you have to move on from Kyle Kuzma okay great that's established so at this point you have to figure out a couple of positions you know your forwards are done you got LeBron coming back long offseason motivated ready to roll and you're gonna have Anthony Davis coming back long offseason motivated ready to roll hopefully take care of his body a little better than historically he has but your forward spots are, are, are secured your one your two and your five are all question marks I believe your two is KCP didn't have a great playoff run I was to call him KC no three at a certain point they couldn't throw a brick in the ocean he also had an injury issue but I think your two is KCP. I think he's already on a contract for the couple of next years. So that locks down your two spot. And then that moves you to your one and your five. Your point and your middleman. The smallest guy on your team and the biggest guy on your team. You have to figure out what is going to happen with those two guys. Obviously, you have Andre Drummond, Montrez Harrell, and Marcus Hall in your rotation currently. I believe you let Montrez Harrell walk, go get his money. See what he can get on the open market because I imagine being the third center in this rotation was not what he signed up for. And so, in fairness to him, I would allow Montrez Harrell to go and try and get his money in the open market. So, that would leave Andre Drummond. I believe if the price tag is right, you re-sign Andre Drummond. By the price tag being right, two years, 20 million, two years, 25 maybe, you bring back Andre Drummond. He's better than Dwight, Dwight Howard. He's better than JaVale McGee. So I would bring back Andre Drummond, secure your five spot, and bring, bring in some continuity. That leaves your one spot. That leaves Schroeder, who's already rejected $80 million plus from the Lakers, as your main starting guard. You mean you still have you still have guys like Taylor Horton Tucker, Alice Caruso. I would bring back Ben McLemore. Just me personally. He's a shooter, smart player, a veteran. I'd bring McLemore back. But you go to your point guard spot and you have Dennis Schroeder. Like I said, who's looking in the range of maybe four years, 100, uh, which would be 25 a year. I don't think he's worth anywhere near that. If I'm the Lakers, I tell him, go test the market and come back to us. In the meantime, we'll be negotiating with Kyle Lowry. We'll be trying to set up a trade with Bradley Bill. We'll be trying to set up a trade with Portland for CJ Ordain. We'll be trying to set up a trade with Golden State for Steph Curry. Because I think that is a position that will decide whether LeBron and Anthony Davis can win another championship. So when you look at that position... You have Kyle Lowry's on the open market. Rajon Rondo's going to be on the open market. Damon Steph are possibly up for trade. Dennis Schroeder, obviously, is going to be on the open market. There's plenty of options to point guard position. Austin Rivers, um, who's showing very well for Denver. He'll be on the open market as well. So there's plenty of opportunities for the Los Angeles Lakers to upgrade at the one position, um, which would be a need if LeBron wants to go off ball more to save energy, that guy's going to be able to have to run the show. If LeBron wants to go on ball, he's going to have to knock down shots and create his own after the catch. And so that's going to be very crucial to the Lakers getting back into the title picture. Uh, but everybody sounded motivated for the Lakers, so we'll see definitely how this works out. Um, for Phoenix, congratulations. Your first playoff victory in terms of a series in over a decade. You did it over the best player in the world. Uh, you did it over a guy who traditionally has ran through the NBA. You're the first team ever in the past decade when he finishes the season to finish him before he gets into the finals. So kudos to Phoenix. Uh, I believe this time of joy and 
uh, laughter will be short-lived. Very short-lived. Um, I think that they lose next round to the Utah Jazz. Um, not the Utah Jazz. My apologies. Um, they lose next round to the Denver Nuggets. Then all of this would ultimately have been for not. Uh, but it was huge um, with the Suns even getting this developmental state step. Rather, obviously Chris Paul's a big help in that. Devin Booker is a man, uh, not a superstar, not a superstar, but he's definitely a budding star in this league. You've got DeAndre Aiden, a budding level All Star. You've got um, the rest of the others, uh, led by Jay Crowder, who's been having a little fun on social media at the Suns and LeBron's expense, um, even doing the salsa dance at the end of the game, getting himself ejected, uh, mocking LeBron's latest Mountain Dew commercial where he does the salsa. So Jay Crowder did and got himself ejected. Um, not smart on his behalf. Um, celebrate a early for the first round. Act like you've been there. Oh, wait, he hasn't. And you've got... You know, a good Suns team led by Monty Williams. Uh, Devin Booker was letting off some trash talk. He's been on social media uh, going at Dennis Schroeder. Um, so it's been very interesting to see that. It could be a budding rivalry, the young Suns versus the veteran Lakers. But we'll definitely have to keep our eye on that. And moving to their opponent in the next round, the Denver Nuggets finished off Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers in six. Um, so the MVP, Nikola Jokic, is moving on to the second round after defeating an absolutely game dame. Um, normally, I don't talk about the loser this much. Um, you know, against the Lakers, who obviously with a bigger story than the Suns. Uh, Damian Lillard's performance was bigger than anybody else's in the playoffs so far. He scored 55 in a double overtime loss in game five, including hitting 12 of 17 threes. Uh, he shot over 60% from the field, shooting 17 threes in the process, uh, tying NBA record with 12. Uh, if you remember Clay Thompson, Game 6, um, Western Conference Finals in Oklahoma City, nailed 12, 12 threes. That game was insane. But Dame, I mean, it was the shots he was making. He was making so many crazy shots. Austin Rivers, after Dame finally missed one, uh, literally put his hands together, looked up to the sky and said, thank God. I mean, it's like, that's when you know you're rolling. When the guy guarding you is looking at divine intervention as the only way to stop you, you are absolutely on a roll, and Dame was on an absolute tear. So, congratulations to Dame. He broke the NBA record for the most three-pointers made in a playoff series. Uh, with I think he ended up hitting 37 or, 30, 37 or 38, and the record was 35. Um, so, insane. But he was ultimately failed by his teammates. At the end of game five, you had CJ McCollum stepping out of bounds. You had uh, Carmelo Anthony not taking a wide open lane. He's looking for a three. You've got Robert Covington missing the shot. The only person that was executing was Damian Lillard in the game five. And in game six, nobody decided to guard Michael Porter Jr. in the first quarter, negating a pretty good game start. And then at the end of the game, the MVP was the MVP. Uh, he racked up five fouls, Jokic rather, racked up five fouls on Nurkic um, in uh, half. It was absolutely spectacular to watch. Jokic controlled down the stretch, and Dame, with about a minute left, uh, came out of the game and got a standing O and then walked back to the locker room in Portland. You know, they they, they lost in Portland, walked back to the locker room. And what very well could be Terry Stott's last game as the... Um, very well last game of his coaching career in Portland. 
there's been rumors that if they didn't make a run this year, Terry Stotts was gone, and a first-round exit does not particularly help, especially when you've got a guy like Dame going insane. There was no coaching around him, no benefit around him, no ecosystem around him to that was conducive to winning, right? And so when you have a situation like that, it's no surprise that now we're hearing Terry Stotts could be fired or will be fired. He's expected to be fired. And then you have six or seven teams, according to Stephen A., calling about Dame, who believe they have a chance at Dame, uh, calling about Damian Lillard. You've got Carl Anthony Towns, trade packages involved, something that involves a Nurkic and a CJ uh, going to Minnesota. You have, you know, all these guys with these different options now that you would think, you know, Portland will try and keep winning, but they've tried this experiment for years in Portland. It doesn't work. The Dame and CJ experience does not lead to wins. It's fun. It's amazingly fun to watch Damian Little play basketball, but he's consistently failed. And so, getting a, if you get if they go up a Nurkic and a CJ McCollum for Carl Anthony Towns, that is a great move for Portland because now you have a guy in the middle. Cat can shoot. Cat's good at the pick and roll. Cat's good at the pick and pop. Cat can get his own shot. You know, Carl uh, Anthony Towns is a very good pickup for a guy like a Damian Lillard who's just looking for somebody else to come with him on the offensive end at a consistent basis. And if you're Damian Lillard, I know you've already said that you don't want to team up and you want to win one for Portland. But unless somebody's coming to the great Northwest, you might want to start reconsidering your plan. You might want to start reconsidering your plot your outlook on your career saying that you didn't want to team up you want to beat these guys without creaming you because you refuse to team up out ultimately kevin durant went to golden state created a super team creams you you look at brooklyn they got their three-headed monster back creams you lebron and ad took care of you in the regular season both uh went, went healthy because they have lebron and anthony davis it is hard to battle by yourself it's even really hard to battle when everybody you're going against has a team and so if I'm Damian Lillard, I decide I go to management and I ask quietly ask to be traded to a contender, whether that be the LA Clippers, whether that be the LA Lakers, whether that be maybe he sees something in Zion and the Pelicans, you know, whatever he may choose, but Boston, but whatever Damian Lillard decides to walk into the, to, um, the general manager of Portland's office and request a trade, it will be deserving. It will be from a guy who gave his all to the city for as long as he could and decided that it was time to end their working relationship. As for the Nuggets, congratulations, you have your number two. It's Michael Porter Jr. On the offensive end in terms of pure point production, he might end up being your number one. Um, I think he's a walking 20, 25 points a game in this league. He scored 22 in the first half, just nine away from Fat Lever's record, and or seven away from Fat Lever's record, rather. And he was absolutely going insane there from three and mid-range and all of that it was absolutely spectacular to see um and then wrapping up the last game or the last series rather in the first round that is the dallas mavericks and the los angeles clippers i believe their series ends tonight dallas has a 3-2 lead they go back to dallas i don't see dallas losing three straight home games uh after they lost the first two home games after winning the first two road games and winning the last road game, I don't think Dallas loses another home game. I think the Mavericks are trying to figure out the Clippers' adjustment 
And so I believe that the Dallas Mavericks ultimately win game six and win the series, sending the Los Angeles Clippers to the same place the Los Angeles Lakers are, which is home. Um, which will set up a lot of young guns in the next round. Um, but I believe that Dallas has the ability to nail threes. They just got to translate the three-point shooting. So the three-point shooting on the road is considerably better than the three-point shooting at home. And I believe they just have to transfer that. Luka Doncic was dominant in game five. And even though the Clippers kept it close, they never at any point, to me, felt like they were going to win that game. And so when you've got that much talent going on, and you've got that low of scoring going on, Clippers only scored 100 points. And Dallas is not even known for a defensive team. And they really put the clamps down on the Los Angeles Clippers, including Kawhi's last terrible air ball attempt. Now, if you are the Clippers, you think to yourself, well, we're in a good spot because we lost the first we lost the first three games at home. And because we won the first two games on the road, we are in the spot we're in now, which is we are 48 minutes from getting a game seven on our home floor. The Los Angeles Clippers also are in a good spot because Kawhi and PG are routinely playing well. Oftentimes, that was an issue that they would have is that they would struggle at times to um, really play down the stress late. And they're still not doing that incredibly well, but it is definitely a sign of improvement for the Clippers. Rondo is helping them. Like I said, that last shot notwithstanding, which was laughably bad, uh, that last shot notwithstanding, they are improving late down the stretch. So, obviously, when something like this happens, you look forward to the next round. And the first game on the docket is the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks in the series, I think, will be the best series Oh, wait, no, wait, no. Before I move on, how could I forget about the New York Knicks and the Atlanta Hawks wrapping up their series? I forgot about the Sixers and the Wizards, too. Wow. Um, Sixers finish off the Wizards 4-1. Uh, to one. It would have been 4-0, but Embiid has a small meniscus tear. Now, I have it on good, reliable sourcing and just knowing sports that Embiid needs surgery. He, he needs surgery or scope or cleanup or something. But he needs, an, he needs to open that knee up and have an operation. But he knows that if he does that, it will end his season because he'll be out for the remainder of the playoffs. It'll take two months to heal, um, which is longer than the rest of the playoffs. So he knows that. So he's going to try and treat it with rest, um, treat it with treatment. But he refused to go under the knife, even though he needs to. I hope it doesn't damage anything any further by not having the surgery. But you never know. I... Um, Again, I have on very good sourcing and just knowing sports that he needs he needs an operation on that knee. And if he doesn't get it, it there's a good chance he'll blow out the uh, the entire knee. Um, but kudos to Washington for even fighting into the playoffs. They had to win pretty much all their games coming on the stretch, including the playing games. And they got it. So absolutely great job by Russell Westbrook. Bradley Bill and the rest of that Washington Wizards crew. And the most entertaining series in the first round, in my opinion, has been Luca, not Luca, Trey Young versus New York City. Um, it has been incredibly fun. Uh, the New York Knicks fans have not made it easy on Trey. They've yelled at him, they've cursed at him, they've talked about his ball spot, talked about his height, talked about his size. And Trey Young's just giving it back to him on the court. Um, albeit that is real quiet, it's bleeping here, Lauren. You've got him taking a bow after the absolute dagger in game five to the crowd. 
Um, huge job by the Atlanta Hawks to set up a day with the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, and we'll talk about that series just a hair later. And then you've got Julius Randle, who did not necessarily validate his most improved player, uh, shooting around 30% or less for the series, uh, allowing his team to get put out in a gentleman's scoop of five games, and not particularly looking like the best Nick, as Derrick Rose looked like by far and away the best player on the Knicks roster. So that is something that needs to be worked on if the Knicks are looking to capitalize on the momentum that they already possess by having Julius Randle as their one. I mean, I don't think he's anybody's one. He's a pretty good two. He's a hell of a three, but he seemed like he's a serviceable two. That's where his role is. He doesn't seem to be a one on any level. But up next, we'll take a quick, quick break and then we'll jump into the next round of NBA basketball. Alrighty guys and welcome back into the show and admittedly it is a little weird that we're talking about the second round of the playoffs and not mention the words LeBron James or Lakers but that is what we're about to do and we're going to jump right into the second round with the series that is starting first the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks. So if you guys are an active listener to the show you listen every week which I know a few of you do um, you've heard my stance before. I do not think the Brooklyn Nets are making the NBA Finals, uh, nonetheless winning the championship. Um, my championship pick was more of they would lose to LeBron, who's not going to make the second round of the playoffs. So I guess that theory's out. But my theory, my main theory is still that the Brooklyn Nets will not see the NBA Finals um, as a team. And so I'm going to stick to that. And I'm actually going to pick them to lose this round to the Milwaukee Bucks in a tough six. Um, they have no answer for Giannis. Whatever test they have, they they have a test called Giannis, and they're all failing. They're all individually failing. Everybody's failing together. Um, Kevin Durant's not going to guard him. He can't afford to. James Harden's too small. Kyrie Irving doesn't play defense. Blake Griffin's too slow. They have no answer for Giannis. It's similar to what uh, the Clippers are doing for trying to do against Luka. You have no answer for Luka. It's a test. You're all failing it. Um, and so they're all failing the Giannis test. He's averaging something along the lines of 40, 11, and 5, or 40, 11, and 6, something along those lines in the three games he's played them this year. He's absolutely dominating them. Uh, all the confidence in the world. The shooters from Milwaukee are hot, Bryn Forbes, etc. So those guys are going to have to knock down shots. Drew Holiday is one of these there. Peter Tucker is there. Chris Middleton is there. Giannis is there. Brooke Lopez is there. They can legitimately roll out five two way players in their starting lineup. They've got dogs this year, guys who want to fight, guys who are willing to scrap, guys who are willing to get into the middle and the thick of things uh, for their organization, which is something that they did not have in previous years. You know, when it was just Giannis, uh, Giannis and Chris Middleton, they didn't have a PJ Tucker, they didn't have a Drew Holiday, uh, they didn't have a, a, an adult in Brooke Lopez who could afford to take cheap fouls because you have other guys off the bench that can fill his spot. Um, I've got the Bucks. I got the Bucks in six now. Would, I, would it shock me if the Nets win five? No, it wouldn't shock me at all. But I, but I, I would pick the Bucks in six. Uh, putting my professional stamp on that, uh, I would have the Bucks in six. Now moving out west, all um, 
the Utah Jazz are awaiting the winner of the Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Clippers. I believe that the Dallas Mavericks will win tonight, therefore ending the Clippers season, um, sending the Battle of L.A. pushed off another year, if at all. Um, and we'll talk about Kawhi in a minute. But I have Dallas winning the game tonight in the series, like I said. So that would mean Utah would get to play Dallas. And I would have Utah in ooh, Utah in seven. Because the way Dallas plays basketball is not very conducive to the way the Jazz like to defend. The Jazz want to send you into the paint to, to go meet Rudy Gobert. The problem is Luka Doncic is shooting step back threes. That might that might be a Dallas win. Wow. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Utah in seven because it'll come down to they have home court in the seventh game. Uh, I'm gonna say Utah in seven, but it wouldn't shock me if it's Dallas in six. Uh, but I'm gonna go Utah in seven. And of course, there'll be a couple games into the series by the time we have the show next week. And of course, I'll reevaluate if I'm completely and totally wrong, which I probably will be able to see in the first couple of games. Um, but yeah, I, I, Utah's a good team, excellent defensive team. They can really score the ball. Obviously, they got Donovan Mitchell surrounded by good two-way shooters. You got Rudy Gobert in the middle and on the cleanup duty. And so when you've got a situation like that, you've got a group like that, I've got uh, Utah in seven. Dallas is good, but they can go really cold from three. They don't really particularly defend well. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do with Luka in that series. Probably put him on Marjanovic, um, on Marjanovic maybe. Uh, that's not a good matchup for me. Royce O'Neal, someone who's not a absolute threat to score downhill. But, it, um, yeah, I would have Utah winning that series in seven. That shifts us to the 76ers and the Atlanta Hawks. I, it depends on Joel Embiid's health. I spoke about it a little earlier. Like I said, I have it on good sourcing that he needs the surgery, but he doesn't want to do it due to it in his season. And so therefore, he's going to try and pain manage. Now, he's dealing with a small meniscus tear. Now, pain managing is probably the worst thing you can do in terms of treatment because he's just going to get basic treatment, basic rub down, you let it heal on its own and let it try to pain manage. Um, the problem is, if it's a close game, three minutes left, and that knee is screaming, he's not going to take himself out. And so, what if the knee collapses? What if the knee buckles all over the place because that, there's a weak or a torn tendon in it? Um, gives way to some other structure. Now the knee's completely falling apart um, before our very eyes, and we're dealing with a seriously injured Joel Embiid instead of a kind of injured Joel Embiid instead of two months of recovery time it's eight to twelve months you know so I think he needs to really evaluate that decision um in terms of just straight up pain managing uh, his injury for Atlanta this will be the second opportunity second round series they have to show the national media who they are and what they are oh 95 percent national media picked the New York Knicks to win this series I did not I had the Atlanta Hawks in seven. They ended up getting the boys out of there in five. But I had the Atlanta Hawks. I was one of the few, um, besides straight up Hawks fans, that had the Hawks winning the game, or winning the series, rather, over the New York Knicks. It was a New York Knicks love fest in the media. Uh, Julius Randle did not come to play. He, uh, he definitely wet the bed. And so the Atlanta Hawks are moving on to play the Sixers. Embiid uh, hurt, Hawks in six. Embiid healthy, Sixers in five. So that's how I'm going to preface that. Um, and then we're going to move to the last series, which would be uh, Utah uh, against the Denver Nuggets. 
Um, I, I will. No, I'm sorry. Now you talking to the Denver Nuggets. The Phoenix Suns against the Denver Nuggets. My apologies. Best player on the floor is Nikola Jokic. Um, he's going to destroy it. John Jay Aiden. He's going to drag Aiden out in the deep waters. Michael Porter Jr. is unguardable. I'm going to go with the Denver Nuggets in six. Uh, Denver's going to get the Suns out of the playoffs in six. And it's going to be hilarious if the Denver Nuggets decide to troll the Suns the way the, trolls, the way the Suns have been trolling the Lakers. Um, so I would have the Denver Nuggets there in six to advance to the conference finals as the only conference finalist left from the bubble to make the second round of the playoffs. Um, so that's an interesting development there. Um, and, we, and we spoke about, or I mentioned last segment about the Clippers, how this game could be the last good chance. I'm going to expound on that thought that, the, that this game could be the last great chance the Clippers have of a championship. Here's why. Kawhi Leonard can walk for nothing. If Kawhi Leonard walks for nothing, you're done. Regardless. Superstar leads your team, you're done. The Clippers are on a first-round pick until 2027. Paul George is already committed long-term, so you can't even say to a star, hey, you can bring in two guys. You can bring in you and somebody um, because they're committed to Paul George for multiple seasons. They're committed to Luke Kennard for multiple seasons. They're committed to Marcus Morris for multiple seasons. They're committed to several guys past this season for big money. Um, so there's no way like Brooklyn was set up with two max slots and then they could bring in like, like how you want to go and he can bring KD and then you know or Kawhi showed up to LA and then brought in Paul George it was a situation where they had a money to do so LA is not in that spot so the, the Clippers could be in an absolutely horrible spot in 24 in 10 hours you know or less uh, if Kawhi Leonard decides to opt out which financially it would be smarter for him to opt out uh, go see his options and see what he wants to do in the open market. But up next, we're going to shift to the NFL and talk about what's going down with the Shield. Alrighty, guys, and welcome back in. And now we're going to discuss the NFL and what's going down there. So the first piece of major news, um, just going to be a bunch of, just a news segment. The first piece of major news is the NFL with the possibility of going to an 18-game regular season schedule. So obviously, what was heavily publicized in the first in the CBA negotiations was 17 games, 17 games, 17 games, etc. 17 games, 17 games. Um, because it was basically going to happen the way that the NFL set up the CBA with the Player Association is if and when they sign a new television deal, then they could then they only had the right to automatically trigger a 17th game, which is exactly what happened. They, I mean, they drew up a TV deal within 12 months, tr- triggered the 17th game, and next season obviously we will have what the NFL is already dubbing the largest season ever with 17 regular season games. Uh, already on the docket, already being sold to TV partners, etc. And so now there's a there's a reports and stories that Goodell himself has said 18 games on the docket. Uh, this collective bargaining agreement does not allow more than 20 games. That is a combination of preseason and regular season. You are not allowed as an NFL schedule to schedule a football team to play 20 games. Now postseason, postseason that doesn't factor in, but it's 20 games regular season. And preseason. So if they go to 18 games, we might have no preseason games, maybe one preseason game. 
and then you would all obviously institute a second bye week. You would give a team one before week nine and one after uh, week nine. So in between, in between, in my opinion, you would do in between weeks three and week nine, you get a bye week, and in between week nine and week fifteen or sixteen, you get another bye week. Um, to, in order to have the bodies have a chance of making it through eighteen real games. Uh, that's like that would be that would be the equivalency of making it to the conference finals or to the yeah conference championship game every year um, on the body. That's a heavy toll. You see the energy it takes on teams that do make it, um, and that's not even everybody in the league. This would be getting everybody in the league to play to the conference championship every year. So just imagine how beat up the Super Bowl teams are, especially if it's a wild card team. You're playing your 22nd game of the year. You know, that would be a very hard struggle to get through. So that is an interesting proposal by the NFL, especially on the backs of player safety and et cetera. Um, Urban Meyer is being very collegiate right now. He's called, obviously he brought in Tim Tebow. That's something you can do on a college roster. You have 75, 80 scholarships. You can do that out of Florida. You can burn a scholarship on a character guy that's gonna get five snaps a game because he has a high GPA and high character. In the NFL, there's 53 spots, 46 guys travel, and it's thousands upon thousands of guys to choose from. Uh, it's a little bit different in terms of selling that to a locker room. Uh, publicly criticizing DJ Chark and his weight, um, saying he was too skinny, um, saying that he his talent level didn't match his production, and he was going to change that. Um, which, according to him, Chark has added seven pounds of muscle. Him and the receiver coach have been working well together, and that DJ Chark was very receptive to Urban Meyer's criticism and critique. Um, of him having the physical and not the production. So that was a very interesting situation there, Urban Meyer did. And like I said, it comes on the back of several collegiate style moves uh, with hiring the former Iowa strength coach who had the racist comments and then basically saying, damn all of you, I'm gonna do it anyway. Only until public pressure and team pressure fought back, then he fired the guy. Uh, the signing of just the openly admitting of, man, I wish I could've got Kadarius Tony because I saw Percy Harvin, to signing Tim Tebow, to now he is openly criticizing players' weight and talking private conversations. So it is very interesting to see um, how collegiate he's starting out, but it, it, it's not shocking. Um, you know, Bruce Arian says stuff like this all the time, and we look at him like a loose cannon, loose Bruce. Um, and Urban Meyer, however, is a collegiate coach with a collegiate mindset, so it's not exactly surprising that he does what I would consider collegiate tactics in the NFL. But just like in college, he's bringing in money, so much money that Shad Khan, the owner of the Raven, the owner of the Ravens, the owner of the Jaguars, has proposed a $421 million uh, football facility in the city of Jacksonville. Uh, reaffirming their commitment to the city because you know that was a big rumor that they're gaining so much steam overseas and in London and stuff like that that they could be the first international team uh, that they can go to San Antonio because they weren't getting a lot of love in Jacksonville but building a 421 million dollars uh, practice facility definitely reaffirms the NFL and Jacksonville's commitment to the area Julio Jones uh, rumors are still swirling right now the biggest betting favorite is Tennessee Titans at plus 200. Uh, the New England Patriots are plus 300. Uh, pretty much everybody after that's fallen off. I can confirm to you that Baltimore and Los Angeles were both in the race for Julio and both are now out of the race for Julio. 
Um, so that is an interesting switch there. Just imagine if Tom McVay would have pulled Julio into the NFC West. It's like, Jesus, how many, how many more great players are going to play in the NFC West? Um, but they are out. And obviously, like I said, the Ravens are out as well in the Julio Jones sweepstakes. Julio will be moved. It's not an if to win. Um, he will be traded. He kind of has no choice. When you go on a... Um, when you go on a show like he did with Undisputed with Shannon Sharp and say, no, I'm out of there. Uh, and then the reports start flowing out. He'll, he requested a trade a month ago and you can tell it was definitely Atlanta side trying to do damage control being completely blindsided by Julio stating that he was going to be traded publicly. But at this point, you have to trade him. And so now it's a matter of, again, win, not if. Uh, and I believe, I believe ultimately he would end up a Patriot. But it would not shock me if he ended up a Tennessee Titan uh, to pair alongside of A.J. Brown to further lighten the box for Derrick Henry and to make life easier on Ryan Tannehill, especially after just losing Jonathan Smith. Uh, just a couple of quarterback news. Uh, Josh McDaniel states that Cam Newton, uh, who suffered a small hand injury today in practice, should be nothing major. Uh, it was definitely checked out by medicals and he stayed on the practice field, didn't need immediate medical attention. So hopefully Cam Newton is fine there. Uh, Josh McDaniel stated that Cam has a better grip of the offense this year, and he expects much bigger numbers from Cam this year because of that offensive understanding. Say he didn't have full grasp of the playbook last year, didn't have full knowledge, which is not surprising at all. Uh, he was showed up a month before the season started and kind of winging it. They were and then had to reinvent the offense because nobody on the roster is built uh, in Cam Newton's caliber or elk. And so having to do that was a major switch for the organization as a whole, which is not surprising why he was a little bit rusty out there on the field. Patrick Mahomes has openly stated that he wants 20-0. Um, so kudos for him. Uh, it shows his commitment to playing one to play every down. It will probably, if they, if they, it shows that that's on team's mind. You know, the, the Chiefs are in a position where it should be Super Bowl or bust for them. Doesn't matter how we get there. Doesn't matter what the record is. Super Bowl or bust. And yet, he's openly admitting 20 and up. Um, and so, that is going to be something that would be amazing to see. Um, would definitely supplant the 72 Dolphins, the greatest team ever. Uh, I think the Patriots of 07, even without the ring, have a hell of a case as the greatest team ever. Um, but the Dolphins have the only undefeated season. And so if somebody gets 20-0, that clearly usurps uh, the Miami Dolphins 72 season. Okay, so an interesting situation that is happening, uh, a little of the darker side, I guess. The NFL has admitted to race norming um, in the concussion lawsuit. So you guys remember the movie Concussion of Will Smith by Dr. Umalu, uh, who basically discovered CTE. Uh, who discovered CTE, made it mainstream, fought the NFL in court for years, saying that, you know, your game's unsafe, uh, you're not helping players who go through this, and several XBOA players killed themselves or died and then sent their brains to science, and they all had the same CTE markers, right? Well, the NFL was designed to pay lawsuits, and these lawsuits were saying that, yeah, our game is dangerous, it's inherently dangerous, we didn't tell you guys about it, and if your brain doesn't function the way a brain should function, you are compensated. You know, if you have damages or whatever, you're compensated. Well, the NFL was quote unquote race norming, which race norming is 
the practice of using it's specifically using African Americans that their brains work or less powerfully or not as well with as the kind of that were Caucasian counterparts. So an African American player could be suffering from a CTE or meet the threshold of what they would look for for lawsuit payments, but because of the race norming that the NFL was doing their brains are were in the system as operating worse naturally not as strong not as smart naturally as their caucasian counterparts these players are missing out on benefits and so the nfl is, i mean it's, it's been widely reported now the nfl is going to stop that practice which is insane if we think about you know they were doing that as a league um coming down to saying the african-american brain didn't work as well as a caucasian counterpart and therefore the damage that your brain suffered was less severe and doesn't meet the criteria because you weren't at that high of a level anyway um absolutely insane i'm i'm glad it came out disappointing in the nfl for even having that situation go on but i am definitely glad that it came out and it is now rectified but up next, we'll be shifting to touching on the WNBA and what's going down with the W. Alrighty, guys, and we are back. And now we're going to talk about the WNBA and what's going down there. And so take a look at the playoffs. If they were to start this morning, it would be the Seattle Storm, the Connecticut Sun, the Las Vegas Aces, the Atlanta Dream, the New York Liberty, the Phoenix Mercury, the Los Angeles Sparks, and the upstart Dallas Wings. Um, a couple of shockers in there. Sparks and Wings. I thought, that, like I said before the season, those are my picks for the two worst teams in the NBA, along with the Atlanta Dream. And the Dream of the 4C, Sparks and Wings are currently 7th and 8th. Both will be in the playoffs. Uh, so kudos to their organizations for proving me wrong, definitely. Um, congratulations, without a doubt, to those teams for early season. Early, early season, but battling through, battling, overcoming um, the Sparks now for going back-to-back games. The Atlanta Dream behind Kennedy Carter starting to roll. The Upstart Wings have won back-to-back games. Um, it doesn't look like the gap so far, anyway, is as big on the scoreboard as I thought it was going to be. Now, it can end up in the playoffs as absolute massacres, but I thought it was going to be blow. I thought, you know, I was looking at Storm. I was looking at the um, Mercury. I was looking at the Aces uh, in the sky as just teams that were going to run away with it. And right now, the sky aren't even in the playoffs. Um, I contributed at the Candace Parker's ankle injury, but the sky currently aren't even in the playoff picture, which I believe they will be ultimately. But it would mean absolutely, I thought those four teams were going to run away and hide and then leave everybody else battling for spots. But instead, they're all mixed in together. The Storm are, have only lost one game all year, but everyone else has lost at least three. And so it is an absolute battle uh, in the WNBA right now. Tons of talent. I've said it once. I've said it a million times. Go support the W. Uh, league pass is less than $20 for the entire season. Have access to every game. Uh, except the ones that come on national TV, which, again, just turn on your TV and watch that. Uh, regardless if it comes on Facebook, Amazon, Twitter, CBS Sports Network, um, you know, if, it, if it's a non-national television game, again, go support the W. It's less than 
there's tons of talent in this league. Like I said, the Wings starting to get their act together with all their young rookies. You've got the Storm, defending champion. You've got Aces, very talented team with the reigning MVP. Um, the Mystics, who are good, don't have Elena Deladon yet. They're going to come charging when Deladon gets on the floor along with Tina Charles. Uh, you have talented young rookies. And so I would definitely go check the WNBA out. Um, if you like real basketball, the cutting, the passing, the beauty of the game, then the W is definitely for you. Uh, you, got, you got a young daughter, young son, uh, wife, kids, cousins. Uh, get them on the WNBA. You know, it's, it's a great sport. It's a great product. I would definitely, I, I have League Pass. I would definitely invest, like I said, less than $20. You lose that in your wallet all the time. Just drop it on League Pass, have an access, have access to the greatest female league in the world. Um, and show, appreciating and showing love to these amazing athletes. Go to a game in your local city. Uh, these ladies deserve it. They can, they're playing real basketball. Like I said, the talent in this league is insane. 144 of the best female players in the world. And so uh, definitely go out and support that. But up next, we're going to shift to the MLB and touch quickly on what's happening there. Alrighty guys and welcome back in and you know we do we talk about baseball we jump right into the standings the American League goes as followed if the play if the season were to end today it is the Tampa Bay Rays the Chicago White Sox the Oakland Athletics are the three first place teams followed with the three next best wildcard style teams the Boston Red Sox the Cleveland Indians and the Houston Astros one noticeable name obviously missing is the New York Yankees in the National League, we have their three division winners as the San Francisco Giants, the Chicago Cubs, the New York Mets, with their three wild card teams being the San Diego Padres, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the St. Louis Cardinals. So, with these teams in the playoffs currently, um, just some noticeable names missing the Yankees. I came on bragging last week. By the Yankees, and they have since been gotten their teeth kicked in by the Rays, with the number one team. Um, they had a bad series. I don't, I, they may have gotten swept, or maybe they won one game, but they lost a ton of ground, especially to the Rays and the Red Sox, um, who took care of Houston for the most part. And so those Yankees, man, they they, they go up and they go down. So they're gonna, I believe they're gonna get their act together. A lot of games left, uh, a lot, a lot of games left. I'd say about ninety. I can't think off the top of my head right now. I mean, they've played, you know, from 100 to 90, 90 to 100, maybe 105 for certain teams. Um, so a lot of baseball left. The standings are very fluid. It is very interesting. It looks like those Dodgers won't fix their bullpen problems. Um, I don't even know what's going on with them. They need to get that fixed. They're going to be as good as I thought they were going to be, which I was thinking maybe 110 wins. And it doesn't look like they're going to get anywhere near that threshold as they currently sit as the fifth best team in the National League. And so with that being said, I'm going to officially declare a where Justin was wrong on the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, and how talented they're going to be this season. But they got, again, a lot of baseballs left. Um, for those who need to turn it around, the Astros being in is a little bit surprising. Uh, I didn't think they were going to be that great this year, but they are starting to put their pieces together and get their act together as well under new manager, Dusty Baker. 
And so it's going to be a great baseball season, especially in the dog days of summer um, when, the, when the ball really starts flying out because the balls and the bats get hot and the ball starts jumping off the bat a little bit more. So that is great. It's going to be definitely great to see. We're getting a lot of action now, uh, a lot of no-hitters. Like I said, we're one off the league record for a season um, already, and there's a possibility we may even see a couple of more. But hopefully during the summertime, the bats will start to take advantage of the heat. But up next, we're going to jump into our best for last, which would be a discussion on Coach K. Welcome into the best for last. And we in this best for last are going to take a minute to appreciate Mike Shashesky. Mike Shashesky, for uh, affectionately known as Coach K for the Duke Blue Devils men's basketball team, has announced that following next season he will be retiring after over 40 years on the sidelines for the for Duke University. Uh, Coach K was hired in the mid-80s early 80s, um, and within three years, thought he was getting fired uh, to the point where uh, his staff was putting houses up for sale. I mean, they thought they were gone. They were looking for other jobs already, and then he just clicked. He turned around and started winning, and five national championships later, and Olympic Games, and over 1,300 wins, and becoming the face of Duke University, um, Mike Krzyzewski is stepping down. He went to battle with Dean Smith, in the 80s and the 90s, and then he went to battle with Roy Williams in the 2000s. Um, he was an avid person against the one and done, and then kept losing to one and done. So started taking more and more one and dones. Uh, he was he was anti one and done for a while, similar to Nick Saban being anti the up tempo spread offense. Um, and then now Nick Saban ran one of the fastest, most open offenses ever. Um, after being so against the up-tempo spread offense, um, Coach K is loaded with one and dones every year now. You know he's had since he changed his tune to Jason Tatum, to Zion Williamson, the R.J. Barrett, the Cam Reddishes. Um, you know guys who come in the school with the full anticipation of leaving after one season. Coach K was against that. Uh, then he lost to Derrick Rose in Memphis. He lost to Coach K a couple of times with those one and dones. And so, like I said, obviously he changed his tune and started recruiting them because the best players in the league were, the best players in college basketball were deciding that they were going to be one and done, that they were going to go into the draft the millisecond that they could. Um, and so the best players were stopped going to Duke because Coach K wasn't recruiting them, uh, still trying to respect the sanctity of the academic side of being a student athlete. If you're a known one and done, your academics don't matter to you. And so... Uh, Coach K uh, evolved into uh, recruiting them. And then you've got, man, his Olympics. He helped save the Olympic team. He caused the 04 uh, defeat in Greece, uh, one of his worst days in coaching. Um, or the worst day he's had, ever had in coaching with that Olympic team. He helped save it along with the Colangelos, revitalized USA basketball. He was almost the coach of the end of Shaq and Kobe's Lakers. Uh, he said they off, the Lakers offered him $40 million. He turned it down, saying he loved Duke too much. Um, but that would have been insane. He never went pro. Had many, many, many opportunities to go pro full-time. Uh, never did it. 
decided it wasn't for him. Uh, kept remained at Duke. Said again, said Duke was in his heart. He loved Duke, and that's what he wanted to be. And can't blame him. He won a lot. He ran the program. He was the program. Um, Coach K, absolute legend. You think about Coach K, Dean Smith, Jim Beheim, um, up at Syracuse, uh, John Woodson. Uh, you know, you think about uh, John Thompson, these legendary figures that were, that defined their programs. So absolutely huge. Uh, Coach K at Duke, and the court's already named after him. And so he will be stepping down. He retiring after next season. Uh, he will still remain at Duke. He will remain in an ambassador position. Um, so again, a, a face of Duke, a fundraising guy. Got to get on the phones, talk to big time boosters and alumni. Uh, which he will be able to do a lot more now that he won't be day-to-day coaching. And his, uh, his associate head coach, his top assistant, will take over the program um, after his retirement. So huge news in the college basketball world. Uh, thank you, Coach K, for being a model of consistency and a model of greatness at Duke, uh, defining a program. And I'm glad you get to know you're going to walk away. Roy Williams shocked us on April Fool's Day. Uh, and I like Carolina, so shocked us. On April Fool's Day, with the announcement that he was stepping away, I'm glad Coach K is going to give us an opportunity to appreciate and and dote on him for a year, uh, even while he's probably beating our favorite teams, uh, dote on him for a year before he ultimately walks away into the sunset, um, into an ambassador role at Duke, but off the sidelines. Um, so that's going to be absolutely, it's going to be a rough, a rough day for a lot of Kyle basketball fans. The generations, at least two, that don't know what it's like to not have Coach K on the sideline of college basketball. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to watch that transition at Duke. Same as being interesting to watch somebody other than Roy Williams on the sideline of Carolina um, as well. So this is going to be two huge changes to the Tobacco Road rivalry in consecutive years, and we're going to see how it affects that. But again, thank you to Coach K for everything you've done for basketball, professionally, internationally, and collegiately, and at the high school level. Um, all levels of basketball were affected by Coach K in some form or fashion. And so thank you for that and your impact on the game. But that is all we have for today. Uh, next week, you know, we're going to be talking about NBA playoffs. Middle of round two, we should be game three for some series. Uh, hopefully we get some indications of who's going to win. My prediction is going to be right. You know, talk about a little more WNBA, a little more NFL news, getting close to the season. Uh, college football camps are coming up soon. A lot of big time news is going to be breaking all over the place, I'm sure. Don't forget to follow the Twitter page and Instagram page at JTime Sports. I repeat, at J as in the letter, the first letter of Justin, Time Sports. So it's all one word, at JTime Sports. Uh, it'll pop up. You should see the logo you see for the podcast. It could be white. I believe it's white on Instagram. It's black on Twitter, but it's the same logo. Um, give that a follow. Turn on your post notifications so you know before your friends know. Subscribe on Apple and, Pod- po- uh, Apple and Spotify. And don't forget to rate and share. And that is all I have for today. This is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.